All right, this morning and just the remaining time that we have, I'd love us to um, just reflect on the last year and all that God's done and tell the story once more of uh, what's happened here. I mean, this is, I woke up this morning and, um, and I was just really relieved that I didn't have to worry whether anyone would come to the church or not. <laughs> I knew there would be people here, whereas this time last year I was like real nervous. I knew we'd have our launch team and that was sweet, but that, you know, I was sort of like going, okay, is this going to work or not? Uh, so it was quite a nice feeling to be a year into it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, you know, uh, there's a, uh, the famous American sociologist Tony Campolo um, once spoke about a survey that he took, uh, that, that an organisation took of a bunch of people in their 90s and they asked this one question, if you were to live over again, what would you do differently? And the three things that the people responded with overwhelmingly uh, were this. Number one, that they would risk more in their lives, that they would play it less safe, they would risk more. The second thing that they would do differently is that they would invest more into things that would last after they died. They wanted to have legacy. They wanted to, beyond just their family and their own well-being, they wanted to have con- contributed more to things that would go, live on past uh, their death. And the last thing that they said they would do is they would reflect more. They would spend more time reflecting than they had. And, you know, we live in this very rushed and very fast-paced world and, uh, and I'm really grateful that we've got things like birthdays and New Year's and all these sort of things to stop and reflect, and that's what we're going to do today. And it's interesting when you look at the Israelite nation, that they were, God asked them to build altars just about in any significant place for them in terms of God parting seas or defeating enemies or whatever it may have been. He often asked them to build an altar in that place. And the reason he did that is so that when generations later people would walk past, they could look at that altar and go, that's when God did this. And the trouble with Israel and the trouble with us is they would often forget what God had done because they just kept on charging. And so we want to pause this morning, stop our charging, and just reflect on what has happened since we started this church. Um, so the journey began um, when uh, me and Jen, who uh, we often pray, in fact, most nights we pray before we go to sleep, and, um, and we had this one night where that turned into a, quite a long prayer time as we began to feel like God was saying you're to move from Christchurch, which is where we uh, obviously had uh, all of our children, we had a church, we were very happy there, but we had this really weird night where it was like all of a sudden it was like, I think God's calling us on. Then you wake up the next morning, you're like, was that the curry or was that Jen's cooking again or what, you know, what was going on there? And, um, and we just, honestly, within the, I joke, but actually in that prayer time, we just knew in our knower, as you, you know what I mean by you know it, we just knew in our knower that God was calling us on. We just had no idea where. Jen wakes up the next morning, opens an Advent devotional, and the, the Advent devotional, feel free to get rid of the, oh, no, sorry, that's all good, um, uh, opens an Advent devotional, and in that Advent devotional is uh, Genesis 12 is the text where God says to Abraham, I'm going to send you to land that I will show you, you're to leave your family, you're to leave, your, and I'm going to take you to this new land. I come home from work on Monday morning, and Jen's crying and already grieving the fact that we're leaving, and it's like this whole thing starts rolling. And uh, we went through this long discernment process about where God was calling us. In the midst of uh, that, we sat down with um, some families who are now residents of the Bay, the Domigans and the Buxtons, and we said, God is calling us on from Christchurch, we feel called. Again, after a long season of discernment to the Hawke's Bay, we don't know anyone there, uh, we, but we think God's in it. Do you want to move your lives up to, up to the bay with us? And the suckers uh, slash legends said yes. Um, and so this is obviously a picture. Uh, and it's honestly, it's such a crazy thing. And, you, you know, everyone knows this feeling. But, like, when you're packing up 
all of your belongings into a truck, so that's us when the movers came, and that's Jen at the airport. I drove, me and my father-in-law drove some cars up. Um, when you're like, you're just all in. It's like, God, if you don't come through, we're really screwed. Uh, and, um, and so that feeling was very surreal. This is the Buxton's uh, post on Facebook when they told the world that they're moving up to the bay. Man, the kids are growing a lot since then. And, uh, and here's the Domigans as they go through the similar experience. It's a very full-on thing to go through. And, um, and today I don't want to make a song and dance, and, uh, uh, you know, because we actually, um, all of us that have moved up, it's been a joy. It has been costly, um, particularly, I think, for the Domigans. I've had a, a pretty tough ride at times over the last um, 18 months. But um, we all know that this is a very sovereign thing. So it's like we're not going, yeah, you pat us on the back today and we feel like we're real legends. It's like, no, we're just stoked to be on the God wave and on the surfboard with you all enjoying the ride, man, because it's been insane what God's done. But I do want to honour them once more for um, the sacrifice that I've made because that's a big deal. Like experiencing that, not knowing if this is going to play out and uh, is a big deal. So I'd love us to honour the Domigans and the Buxtons once more this morning. And Keegan. Forgot Keegan. <laughs> Hopefully he listens to this, but he doesn't post much on Facebook, it turns out, so I had to find his mum's Facebook to find something, but... What a legend, eh? Like, I tell you what, in my 20s, I was not thinking about how I could help a church plant. I was thinking about a few other things. Let's not talk about them. So that's, that's pretty epic that he's just come up here to serve in that way. Like, I'm super proud of him, and he's an absolute legend. Um, I've heard this saying, and I want to underline it before we talk about some of the things that have happened over the last year. This great saying, I've never forgot it. It was some national, uh, the international overseers for the vineyard, um, John and Ellie Mumford, amazing godly man and woman. And um, they said to us once, when you see a great sculpture, no one praises the chisel. When you see a great sculpture, no one praises the chisel. You praise the artist. And I say that because we genuinely feel like chisels. Everyone in this church, I'm sure, and certainly as leadership, we just feel like chisels. And, and so as we share the story today, I don't want anyone giving glory to chisels. We're giving glory to God alone for what he's done. Man, what a ride. What a ride. And he deserves all the glory, and it's a privilege. In, in spite of all the cost, Easter is true. You pick up your cross, you follow him. It hurts, you die to yourself, not easy, but the story doesn't end on Friday, it ends on Sunday with new life. And I tell you what, I speak on behalf of the Domingans and the Buxtons and Keegan and every person in our launch team who has sacrificed in some way to make this church happen, worth it. Worth it because we've received far more than we've ever given up or sacrificed. It's been an unbelievable blessing to us. And so this is a picture of our very first interest gathering in the aquarium many moons ago. Uh, and, uh, and it's classic because I, I was going through some of these photos and, um, and I was seeing like Karen McKinley sitting in the bottom left there and Stephen Adrian who came to our first ever uh, interest gathering there and I think Elsa's there. There's a whole uh, honey interior there. We've got all these guys that are part of our church today who came to our first ever interest gathering for some weird pastor that doesn't know. I didn't know we didn't know anyone in the bay. Can I underline that? And these guys came along to explore whether it was appropriate for them to join our, join our church plant. And so we ran about six or seven of those interest gatherings at the aquarium, highly stressful events for us running them. Will anyone turn up? Will this, you know, how are we going to go here? Because you've got to have a crew to get a church going. And uh, eventually we got a little tribe of people who said, we're keen to help you make this church run. 
We live in an age of Christian consumerism where people go to church for their needs. Every single person in our launch team put their hand up and said, in spite of the fact you've got nothing for me, I am prepared to serve to make a new church happen because we sense that God is on it. And so I would like us to honour every single person who was part of our launch team today. Would you mind standing before we clap? Would you mind standing your head, please, guys? Don't make me... Come on, thank you. Come on, it's not just you guys. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're going to have a barbecue with them this Friday night to, um, to honour them. We've got the, the original 20 who sacrificed to make this thing happen, and we're very grateful for them. Then we began pre-launch services at the uh, Surf Lifesaving Club. And uh, again, just I love that we took this photo. And it's so cool because, again, just a big tribe of people in the room today. In fact, everyone uh, that's part of that crew is still part of our church bar, a couple that have had to move away from the bay, so that feels good. Uh, and uh, so we started these little meetings in the, in the Surf Lifesaving Club, and very quickly we were very, very full there. And, uh, and then we had our very first service this time a year ago where I invited everyone I knew <laughs> from my family and friends and every just to rent a crowd uh, to come along so that hopefully people that came to kick the tyres were impressed and thought, oh, maybe there is something on this thing. And then the following Sunday was a bit quieter, but that's okay. Um, and we had just an amazing uh, first service uh, where we just felt God's presence so beautifully. And it was just a great celebration from a lot of hard work that had gone on from a lot of people to get a church off the ground and to start with the full kids program and teams running so beautifully and worship like we had on that day was just a real testament to the effort of the launch team and many others. As the church kicked off, we um, one of the first things we ran after Easter, it was very cool because after the... Um, after our first service, the very next weekend was uh, Easter. I think it was the second weekend was Easter, I think. So we, it was. So one Sunday, then it was Easter. It was such a wonderful way to start the church's life. So we had this Easter service. And because a lot of people had joined us in those weeks as we started the church, we thought we better have... Um, We've got to get community happening because <laughs> people don't know each other. We've got, a, we've got a congregation, but it's just a crowd. We want a community. And so we ran this thing called the Big Feed. Who remembers the Big Feed? Yeah, and so what we did is we just gave um, people budget for hospitality. And, we, um, and, and then just you got a text on the day saying, this is where you're going. And we had all of these different beautiful banquets happening all around the city. And, uh, and it was just, again, one of those epic fun times. It was actually my sister's wedding that night, so me and Jim weren't any, at any of the big feeds, but we drove very late that night after the reception back to church, and I turned up to church, and it was a different church that Sunday. Like, people were chatting and pushing each other into the bushes and having giggles, and it was just like, great, we've got a, we've got a community now, which is so cool. Uh, we ran Alpha, and that uh, second term, was it, of our churches, uh, and Ariana and Bryson did a beautiful job hosting that. So that was one of the very first things that we ran. Uh, and then we also, often we find out we can't use the, this facility, and so often we'll go to St. Patrick's, but we also did a great little uh, Sunday worship service where we actually just went out and we did this thing called Bless the Bay, and so we had lots of people out um, serving, I only found a few pictures, uh, serving, uh, cleaning up um, all sorts of different places and serving our community, which was just a beautiful Sunday. 
Um, Ariana and Bryson also put their hands up to start uh, a little youth group, and so they were running all sorts of youth activities, which is really, really cool throughout that time. And we went through all sorts of different series uh, that we explored and and looked at uh, all sorts of things in the Word, which has been a very rich time throughout the whole thing. The highlight has to be, however, our baptism service last year. And it was just such a beautiful service with Ross getting baptised and Rosie getting baptised. And this, for them, very significant, a long time coming in terms of just that moment together. And so we're very, we love them to bits. And that was such an honour to share in that moment with them. To see Grace get baptised with us as well was so beautiful. Uh, this, this picture is awesome. Um, this is Ross getting baptised. Um, Ross used to be a dog handler for the police. Uh, and Andre used to be running away from the dogs uh, that uh, <laughs> so that picture there is all kinds of awesome right because it's like you know um, that is just so what God does that is so what God does and that's what God wants to do in our nation at this time as well that's the sort of thing God can do no one thinks that's possible and there it is right in front of your eyes Sean got baptised and he's now locked in with uh, with Bruce Rudder and his crew and we're looking after him um, and David, oh David, we are <laughs> very proud of you, David. Like that was so special. And I'm going to talk about you in a second because we're very proud of you. Um, but David got baptized stormy there in a beautiful moment for Bruce, uh, as that happened in Mali as well. And so that was just such a magic um, Sunday. And um, and you know, there've been a number of times, certainly for all the people, as I say, for people that have sacrificed to make this church happen, there've been many times where we've felt overwhelmed. The Sunday is one of them, um, because again, of this, the of the privilege of being caught up in a story like this, God's redeeming, restoring work. And this was one of these Sundays where it was a struggle to keep our emotions in check. It was just such a beautiful day. Um, and then as we came into the end of the year, we had, again, very proud of our church, all of these blessing boxes that we handed out to families in need and our community, a wonderful Christmas play, including our, our favourite Lycra friend uh, there, and a huge amount of work. And, uh, and then we started this year in an interesting way. <clears throat> um, so that's a picture of our trailer after some friends of ours decided to borrow our gear. And borrow it was, thankfully, <laughs> uh, because, again, Andre, the absolute living legend, and Bruce and others worked tirelessly to, uh, to try and get our gear back. And um, that same trailer tried to break my foot a couple of weeks later, and so, um, so we need to deliver that trailer from whatever the heck's going on there. Um, but uh, we started the year, and of course, obviously just most recently, just a wonderful church camp together as a church. And that's all just happened in the last year. I mean, it's, and there's so much more, baby dedications and weddings and uh, bay groups and, and a million of one different ways that people have cared for each other and loved one another and been there for one another when the chips are down and celebrated with each other. That doesn't even begin to speak to the bicultural journey that we're passionate about pursuing and continuing as a church. There's so much going on that, that we give God glory for. It's been an incredible year. And I tell you what, that's not because of clever leadership. That's because of an incredible God. That is like, you can't plan that. You can't orchestrate that. You can't lead that. God is the one in charge of the church. And he's done a flipping good job at what he's done in the life of this church so far. So as we kind of pivot to uh, the the future, um, there's some things I just want to underline as we, as we continue to journey as a church. Our vision will continue to see people mature in Christ, and, uh, and we express this by this idea of up in and out. And so up is loving God. And so this is both corporate and both individually. We want to see people love the Lord with everything that they've got. 
and we live in a very busy and stressed and rushed world, we're in this pursuit of slowing down so that we've got margin in our lives, so that we can be present to the Lord, so that we can sit in silence with Him. We want to see the spiritual temperature of this congregation continue to go up. I love it as we worship Him through songs. Songs are just a tool. Songs aren't worship. It's our hearts expressed through songs that are worship. And so even as we worship this morning in the midst of grief and pain and all the different stuff that we're going through in this nation, I'm proud of you. And let's continue to seek him with all of our hearts and knock on the door of heaven and say, pour out, your sp- pour out your spirit. You're worthy of it all. And so we're going to continue to do that. I actually want to get us very sharp about what we are pursuing as a church when it comes to our relationship with God. Like as apprentices of Jesus, like what does it look like to have Sabbath in our lives, to have rhythms of prayer in our lives, to have, I really want us to get very clear about what we're shooting for and then every system and structure and program we can breathe by the Spirit of God to help people mature in Christ so that people don't feel like failures in their private world with Jesus, but that by holding each other mutually accountable and by clear goals and by the Holy Spirit doing work and by using bay groups and everything we've got available to us, we get very clear about what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus in this cultural moment in the 21st century. And so we're going to do some work on that, but that's a big deal for us. The second thing is in, we're going to continue to be committed to loving one another. Camps, big groups, big feeds, like let's take initiative so that we aren't a crowd, we're a community. That by our love for one another, people will know that we're disciples of Jesus. That we could be a congregation with different cultures, different political opinions, all sorts of different histories, and we can come together under the Lord Jesus Christ. That this will be one of those few communities in Māori and Pākehā honouring of one another. That we could come together from all sorts of different uh, histories, from business people to people with gang histories or whatever, and we could be together just loving one another to bits in this sort of community. So we're going to continue to lean into that and to look to Jesus as the way that that happens. Lastly, this is what I want to speak to in particular today. We're going to put a lot more focus in terms of our missional expression as a body of Christ. Now, Now, let me explain this. My philosophy in terms of mission is this, that every single one of us as followers of Jesus have a personal responsibility as God transforms us to care for the least, to care for the last in our world, and to care for those that are hurting and lost. And I don't know, it looks different for every person. Sometimes it's, I'm going to give to World Vision, I'm going to get alongside that lonely person at work, I'm going to, as a teacher, spend extra time than other teachers would with that kid that other people want to reject, or whatever it may be. There's all this expression in terms of how, but also I'm of the conviction that the body of Christ in all of its different forms should have an expression missionally. That there's a, there's a corporate expression to that missional focus. And when that gets taken seriously, it's unbelievable what God can do. Because we can do lots of little things on our own, but when we unite together missionally, it's unbelievable what can happen. So there's a danger that we can just repeat a year as a church, where we have a good year, you know, and we get to know each other, do camps and have groups and all that sort of stuff. But I don't want us to go around in circles. I want us to, to see the kingdom advance. And so one of the ways that we're going to do that is we're going to get a lot more intentional about what we do in Marae Nui. And we've been praying about this for a long time. We've, we've hinted at this. We've mentioned this. We feel that God is calling us as a church to love Marae Nui to bits. And so that's, and we've been like, Lord, what does that mean? What does that look like for us? How's this, you know, how's this meant to play out? So we've been praying and we've been talking and we've been dropping hints and then you guys have been talking to us and here's what we think God's calling us to do. Charlotte sat down with me about six, seven months ago and says, I think 
God's given me a vision for what we're to do in Marae Nui. And I'm like, okay, because Charlotte is amazing, but I wouldn't pin her as the visionary in our group. Like, that's normally been kind of my domain, and some of the others in our team are good at kind of getting ideas, and Charlotte's been implementing, and, you know, she's just solid as a rock hole, Charlotte, you know? She sits there, and she says, I'm as surprised as anyone, but I feel, and here's her idea, and I think God's all over it. She's like, because Bruce, we've been talking to Bruce a lot, so Bruce said, if you want to help out initially in the Nui, your best bet's to get around the young mums. Because a lot of the dads, I mean, in time, I'm sure we're going to reach many fathers. But a lot of the fathers, tragically, are in that suburb, are either in the gangs or in prison or AWOL and just really not great, in a great place. He's like, you can get around mums, you can make a real difference. So Charlotte went away, thought about that. Now, Charlotte in Christchurch was a, um, she uh, was the teacher that taught the graduate teachers at honours school. So the the cream de la cream would go to Charlotte and then she would coach them in terms of teaching practice. She's at that level. And then she's been studying her master's and all this sort of stuff. Charlotte's like, I think God wants us to set set up some sort of early childhood centre in Marae Nui. And I'm like, and I reckon, Charlotte's like, I reckon I could do something, I I reckon we could pull that off and I'll be really keen to lead something like that. And I'm like, then the visionary in me starts freaking out. I'm like, because I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what if, so, okay, imagine this. And this is why I think, you know what? My faith is built because of what's happened in the last year. I didn't think it was going to go that well. Awesome, okay? So my, I've got some good, <laughs> hashtag honest moment. Um, so here we are, right? So I'm as surprised as anyone uh, on one level. But then I'm not, because this is kind of what God does, right? So, so here's what I think is going to happen, and this is not next year. This is five to ten years. Like we're going to think, well, we're going to do this properly. But I'm like, imagine if we had some sort of community kindergarten, early childhood thing. I'm not too sure the you know exact thing, right? But mums are coming in with their children, and then imagine if we could get budgeting support around them. And help, and like people in our church, we need to set up a budgeting advice center. We need Christians Against Poverty or some sort of budgeting, like properly run budgeting service that we could then help out that mum. And then what if we could help out with like food and cooking and parenting stuff and, and like look after that mum? What if we could get Joanne and some of the other folk that are, that are phenomenal at teaching Te Reo Māori and others to get alongside and help these women learn their language and to bring dignity and honour to their, to their Māori heritage? What if we could get around those mums with, with folks that have gone through stuff in our church but come out the other side who just sit with them and love them to pieces? Like imagine what could happen if we did that so that we're not just white people going in and out of some suburb, but we're there, we're planted, we have, we have land there, we have a, a, a place in that... Imagine what that could do to family lines. Imagine what that could do for young mums. So I start, I literally lose sleep. Honestly, there's like, and I've sat on this for a long time because again, you get, I get all frothed up, as you can tell, and then it's like, and so I didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver. We've sat on it, sat on it, sat on it, said, God, if it's not you, please say something, you know, lower the excitement levels. Months later, I'm still like, this is God. He's all over it. He's all over this. And so here's, when, listen to me, when we moved, to, before we moved to, to the bay, we sat in the Domigan's Lounge, and we said, there are people in the bay who are not in a church, and one day they'll be part of Bay Vineyard. 
It was the trippiest feeling, but we just knew it. So we're sitting there in this lounge and we're praying and we're like, one day there are people in the bay who are right now in a cafe or doing something and they're going to be part of our church. And there's three people in particular that represent groups of people that I'm just absolutely thrilled to bits now have a home at Bay Vineyard. One of them is Janine Couchman, who had been a Christian for a long time, but because of the pain that she had gone through in her church and some stuff that went down in her lives, she had been in the wilderness with church and she's come home. And I'm just, I'm like, hallelujah, that is so awesome. The second person that um, I'm just thrilled to bits with is Bruce Radimer. Bruce had come to faith, but had never been part of a church fellowship. And the Lord begins to speak to him, you've got to saddle up and come to church. And he walks into church for the first time and he's, meets Nan, gives, famously gives her a hongi and, you know, settles up and walks into church and now is a, a central part of our church whānau. And I'm just so grateful because Bruce wasn't in a church that moment we're sitting in that lounge. And the last person is David. David would be as surprised as anyone that he's even sitting here today. <laughs> like, he, you know, for 18 months ago, you said, bro, you're going to be baptised and worshipping in a church and just, you know, he would have just been like laughed at you probably, but here he is. And we bet, you know, and he's, he's just was so proud of David and we're so grateful for you, David. We moved up here for you and for those that you represent who are still in the bay who have yet to find Jesus. And so that is just, you know, again, here's the thing, friends. There is a young woman in Marae Nui right now. She may not have had her child yet, but she will in the next year or two. And that woman is going to come to our center and that woman is going to be loved to absolute pieces. We're going to get around her. We're going to help her get her life together. We're going to love her like there's no tomorrow. And we're going to just go do everything we can to cheer her on, to make great decisions. And one day she's going to join this church. She's going to discover the love of her heavenly father. And a whole family line is going to change. That woman is in Marae Nui right now. And that is the vision that God's given us. And I'm utterly convinced that's going to happen. So to this end, we have appointed some people to lead this project, and they are good people. Alan Dusto has just recently retired as the principal of a school, and he is brilliant at the strategic stuff and at all the stuff I hate, which is he's actually going to join our board so, uh, as for Bay Vineyard. So he's a heavy hitter that uh, went through some horrific health stuff last year, and, um, and we're very grateful he's here today. And, uh, and again, uh, God, he's gonna, God's going to use Alan mightily with the gifts that he's got. And you know what? He's been twiddling his fingers and his health's been getting better and stuff. And it's like, I'm like, hello, Alan. God loves you and I have a plan for your life. <laughs> and I preached the message to him <laughs> like I just did to you. Uh, and so Alan's going to join the team. Bruce Ratimer, come on. Bruce Ratimer. Now, again, we... Um, we are going to be very sensitive to this. We are not going to march on in a bunch of Pākehā folk going, let's tidy up, I don't know, and sort it all out. Absolutely not. We're going to come underneath. And by, we're going to start by getting to know key community leaders. That, uh, that, that And Bruce is our key community liaison into Marae Nui. We are so grateful that he is part of this church and his heart burns for Marae Nui and so does Marley's. Like the whole family, they are, they are such key people. And when he walked into the doors of our church and I started to hear his heart, we went out for coffee a few times, it's like, thank you, Lord. This is key. We can't, we could not do it without Bruce Ratima. It would be inappropriate for us to do so. So we're going to, uh, we're very grateful he's going to be part of that team. Robert Venter is going to be part of that team. Robert Venter 
Centre uh, specialises particularly uh, when it comes to property. We're going to need property in Marae And he is a guy that knows that scene inside and out in the bay here. And so uh, he's got a lot more to offer than that. But that's especially going to be one of the tools that we need from his toolkit to help us move forward. And of course, the beautiful and incredible Charlotte Buxton, who we are... Um, and uh, She's an absolute legend. And we are, we are so fortunate to have Charlotte in our church looking after our children but there's so much more that she's carrying and you know one thing Charlotte said to me a while ago um, is that she's just so surprised at what God's done in our church and in her life through this season and she thought that her days were done in terms of any lasting impact for the kingdom that her main thing that she could do was look after other people's children while they could sit in church this before she even did Bay Vineyard stuff she was at the back of church helping young mums and just rocking prams and giving them a little break legend but it's like you've got to be kidding me Charlotte there's so much more (laughs) that God's got for you and so she is obviously key to this she's going to be studying early childhood uh, in terms of her master's uh, and um, she has already done a lot of research in terms of, we are, we are right at a change point in terms of early childhood legislation for the country. Shoot me now, but she's actually looked at it all and worked out what we need to do and what we don't need to do, blah, blah, blah. Plus, the Lord has in some ways given us lots of early childhood teachers in this church, not looking at anyone in particular. Um, and because here's the thing, we aren't going to do social work, we're going to do kingdom work. So everyone we employ in this trust or however it's going to look needs to be red hot for Jesus. Red hot for Jesus. That's the absolute key. So, we've, you know, some of you guys need to be praying about this already. God, do you want me involved professionally? Do you want... And now, now we aren't, we're announcing this today because it's, it's a big goal. It's a huge dream. But I'm, I think this is what God does. Like, let's pick the most struggling suburb in our region and then go, okay, God, use us normal, ordinary people, predominantly Pakia, to do anything we can to love it and see your kingdom extended in that place. And God will breathe on that because his heart is for the least. His heart is for those that is hurting. He is specializes in breaking free people that are in captivity. That's why he said he came, to set captives free. So we want to partner with him in his redeeming and restoring work here in the Bay. So we're going to, this again isn't going to happen overnight, as Rachel Hunter famously said, but it is going to happen. And we've got to start thinking longer than just one year or just the immediate future. We've got to start thinking kingdom dreams that are 10 years, 20 years, 50 years to pull this off, but we're going to do it. And so what I'd love is just everyone to be continuing to pray, what can we do as a church to be an enormous blessing in this region? You know, one of the dreams, visionary alert, one of the dreams I've got is that we get some of our boys who have struggled with alcoholism to get really, really good at running AA programs so that we've got Christian AA programs with Holy Spirit-filled men of God who can see people set free from that horrible disease that plagues so many in our community. Imagine if we had that going on all cylinders. Some of you boys need to be preparing yourselves for that. Again, budget services again not just you know just because we want to do social work because we want to see people mature some of us Christians need these budgeting services where we get our budget in order so that we can live less stressful lives so that we can work out how we need people to put their hands up and say I want to initiate that sort of ministry I want to lead that sort of thing so I'm going to put a five-year plan strategic plan together and build a team and go see cap or whatever we need to dream these sort of dreams and ask the Holy Spirit just to lead us in this sort of stuff so that we can be an enormous blessing to this region So how can you uh, continue to move forward uh, with us? How can you support this? The two things that you can do, obviously, is pray. Seek the Lord. Ask him to lead our team. 
pray blessing over these guys, be praying for Marae Nui, prayer walk around the place, talk to Bruce, talk to Andre, talk to others from the Nui, get their hearts, get to just begin to carry that in your own heart. Carry it and pray. Prayer's powerful, friends. Like that, like we need an advancing force of prayer to push back the powers of darkness as we start moving into that territory. Amen. So I need some of and, and so Charlotte's going to also organize some events where we pray and brainstorm together. So we're announcing it. It's not like here's what we're going to do. It's no, let's let's now seek the Lord together. How could this look? How could we make it happen? So pray. The second thing though is to give to our church. Now, there's going to go out of the church and everyone's like, oh, mate, we've gone through enough this week. Can we not go there today? But look, listen to me. We, if it's weird if we can't talk about this, okay? So now, and, and I'm not going to pressure, but I, I've got to just tell you, we need the giving to go up because we can't afford to pay our staff at the moment. So our priority in terms of what they deserve, and my staff's me and Charlotte, and actually I'm speaking about Charlotte, not me. I'm not full-time, um, but that's Okay. Charlotte's on two days a week, and I'm not proud of what we pay her. She deserves so much more, and we're not going to be stupid here, and, and Charlotte's not going to turn up in some Harley, you know, because like, we've all gone crazy paying her. Like, that isn't going to happen. It's, it's, you're going to have to trust our board and all the rest of it. It's, but, but, it but why is it that Christians think pastors and staff should have enforced poverty? Why is it, why is it, it's so weird, I get this vibe, like somehow I'm expected to live in some like rubbish, you know, it's just, and again, there's the other extreme though, and we're going to be in that radical middle, okay, on the staffing thing, we should, I'm just going to be honest, we're just going to talk about this stuff, any questions, come and have a chat with me, okay, no dramas, and there's no pressure either, okay, but um, on average in a church in New Zealand, um, per person, so if you take average attendance, including kids and everything, and divide the total amount that comes in by the number of people on an average Sunday, the average is about $25 per person that gets given. So, you know, in a family unit, there'll be about 100 bucks a week, so I know, whatever, right? In Bay Vineyard, it's $13. Um, and that's fine, because we're a church planter, people are still getting to know us and trusting us and stuff. But I say this because here's our priorities financially. Number one, that we can pay our staff. So, because without staff, and if staff get discouraged and resentful and, str- and start struggling, then no one's a winner. The church isn't a winner. Our missional stuff isn't a winner. All the stuff we want to do for the kingdom, it's just no one's a winner. Like, it's just, we are going to not, you know, things, there are consequences to it. We can go for a season, but there are consequences. So that's the number one thing. If we the second priority is Marae Nui. So, right, if we can't actually sort our staff out, we're not going to be doing much of Marae Nui. Our second priority and our third priority is one day having enough money to have our own venue. You got that? The third priority. So I'm not here going, number one, find a venue. It's like, no. Like, we're going to have to move a lot of chairs every Sunday for, until we can say our staff are paid appropriately. We've got, uh, we've got finance going to Marae Nui, seed funding to get the thing off the ground. And we're going to run it smart. You know, we're going to run it so we get every dollar we can out of any other place we possibly can. But we're going to need seed funding to get it going, professional fees to scope stuff out and all the rest of it. Uh, and then the third thing is going to be maybe one day enough to lease a place or have a venue. But we are nowhere near that. You know, we're nowhere near that. So if you're not a big fan of giving, get on our pack and pack out team and at least move some chairs because it's a lot of work, right? <laughs> I mean, right? That's a, um, and, and hear me really loudly and clearly. There's no pressure. I'm just trying to be honest. And if you feel like this is putting the guilts on you, then I'm really sorry because that's so not my intention. But if, I feel, if you feel guilty because the pastor's just been honest, 
we've got to work through some stuff because it's not my intention to make people feel guilty. So if you don't give anything, every little bit helps. Every little bit helps our budget, and it's going to move us forward. The thing that's going to see the kingdom advance is radical prayer and radical generosity. Like That's what's going to see us change the world. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but in light of all the rubbish that's gone down in our country, I want to live for something bigger than just myself. I want to live back to push the powers of darkness in this place. And that happens when the, when the people of love go and live a life of love, especially to those that have been neglected and hurting in our world. Like that's how the world changes. And that's the sort of legacy I want for myself and I want for you and I want for this church. I, don't, I want people to see Bay Vineyard's turning 25 and, and lots of people in our community know the name Bay Vineyard, not because of our Sunday service, but because of the blessing we are to this region. We need to be a community that exists for the benefit of its non-members and that's what we're called to be. And so the best way you can do that is just to be sacrificial in your giving. It's a New Testament principle. Anyone that's done the big picture thing, I'm never going to push the 10%. I actually don't believe in it. I don't believe in 10%. Some of you businessmen should be given 20. <laughs> Seriously, why not? Man, just invest into the kingdom of God. Some of you guys, 0.5% is honestly really just, you're, you're being crazy generous with that. Legends. God doesn't have a line that he's pleased with you about. It's always about our hearts. And he sees it. It's not about equal offering. It's about equal sacrifice. And so some of you, man, honestly, I don't know now who gives what. I used to when we first started. And I just, I remember seeing a single mum who has just got so many challenges regularly give this small amount. And I felt moved every time I saw that little deposit come through. It was like, oh, it means so much to you, God. It means so much to you. So can I just encourage us to be a generous church? Like this moves us forward. And I don't say this, um, again, with any desire for anything but to see the kingdom extend in this, in this country. Um, and, and so I just pray that you can trust me in that. I come into land with... Yeah. We can't have a first birthday celebration without saying something about this guy. So um, when, we, when we were invited to um, consider coming up here to join you guys, and we didn't know it was you then, um, one of the resounding pieces for me was obviously following Jesus. That's a given. We prayed and prayed, and we had others giving us words, and we prayed, um, and we felt God was in that for us. So we're very privileged that he was so clear in communicating with us. But another, the other piece was the thought of Sam preaching to an empty church. The thought of that... I know you laugh, but that's a devastating thought. This guy is anointed. God speaks to us through Sam. And, um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, for us, part of that was really wanting to see Sam and Jen be a success up here so that they could love you guys and we could just be a, yeah, be a chisel in that process. So um, I just want to honour you, Sam. I just want to thank you for inviting us to be part of this difficult, messy gross journey um, of following the Lord, but, but this beautiful journey, and um, it's such a privilege that we get to be part of getting knowing, to know each of you through, um, through Sam and Jen leading this place, so can we give them a round of applause and appreciation? <laughs> the... Um, Thanks. Some, some of you guys would see how much these two have had to sacrifice in terms of uh, physical stuff and relationships and all. Yeah, you have a bit of a sense of what they've sacrificed to come up here and do this, but they do it anyway and they love you guys so much. They just have such a heart for Jesus and for people to get to love Jesus. And so aren't we lucky we get to be part of that? And just the last thing is, Sam, I know, no, I'm, I'm, it's quick though. Um, 
is one thing that I keep hearing is just how much Sam is influencing our men, our husbands and our sons and our cousins and our uncles and our dads. And um, that's incredible to have a church leader who just gets alongside our men so strongly and inspires our men through his authenticity, through his love of Jesus, through his knowledge of the word, through his ability to speak. And I think that's a really special thing is the way that Sam is influencing our men. So for me and my husband, I'm so grateful for that. But for all of the lovely wives I speak to that come to this place because Sam is someone their husbands love to hear from, you know, I just really honour that and you, Sam, too. That's really special. Well, and lastly, well, thank you guys. That's very humbling. And um, and lastly, thank you because without you guys, our church again would be pretty quiet. And um, and thank you for the way that you've just you've really. Um, I just feel this yes and amen from you guys in terms of you know as we journey together and this, this deeper and deeper trust in the midst of some of the the broken trust of our history sometimes that people are trusting once more, and that's a big deal. I really, that's a tonga, I really appreciate that the treasure that you trust in my leadership and our team and this church is, it's a big deal, so thank you. And thank you for the way that you're just such beautiful people. We came back from camp, and that's all we could talk about. Oh my gosh, we just loved it, because we loved it. Yeah, not sure about Ross, but we loved it. <laughs> Um, but we just love we just love you guys so much, and we feel so grateful for um, the way that our lives are, are weaving together, uh, you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you for being part of this community. And you know, I've, I keep saying the, the church is meant to be the richest community in the world, in all the ways that really matter, filled with joy, filled with life, there for each other when when it's painful and chips are down, and and obviously rich relationally together. And we're experiencing that in richness, love, and relationship, and communion with God. So I just feel like we're part of the richest, um, richest community in the world, and I'm very grateful. Let's just uh, close by reading this beautiful scripture, and um, and this just captures, I think, all that we were given this scripture many times before we left that God was going to do more, that our dreams were not big enough, that God was going to do more than we thought, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's true. He's done immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, we give you all the glory. All the glory. We give you all the glory. We thank you that you uh, put your treasure in jars of clay. And so, Lord God, we just, uh, this morning, as we reflect on all that's happened over the last year, uh, we just thank you for the great privilege of being part of your story here in the Bay. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd increase our faith for what is possible when a bunch of people believe that your promises are true and believe that your character is good and filled with love. So Lord God, I pray that you'd help us as a community have great faith, not that we would just live comfortable and happy lives, but that so that many would encounter your love and that many would be helped and served and cared for. And so Father, we just commit our future to you once more. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't stay safe. I pray that we wouldn't stay comfortable. I pray that we would never become would focused, but Father, continue to give us your heart for this region and your eyes to see people and communities the way that you do. And Father, in particular, we commit this vision of what we could do in Murai Nui. And Father, we believe you've spoken to us, and we have such an incredible team, but Father, without your Spirit, it's just nothing's going to happen. So once more, we say, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, would you lead us forward? And Lord God, we ask for that young lady in Murai Nui that represents the people that we, are, we feel called to reach 
we pray for her even now. Pursue her with your love, Lord God. Watch over her, and we can't wait to meet her, Father. But Lord, give us everything we need to see your kingdom extended here in the bay. Every dollar that we need, Father, every prayer that needs to be prayed, every person that we need, Father, just, just do what you've already done in the life of this church. Bring it all together and weave something beautiful. Kotahi tanga, Father. Weave something together that's precious, that can hold the gift that you have for us here. So we commit this to you, Lord God, and ask that you would just continue to breathe on it, Father. Breathe life, and, and we just acknowledge it's a gift from you, and we thank you especially for Charlotte and all that she carries in this vision, and we just honor her and pray you'd equip her as she uh, leads us into that, and for the wonderful team that will support her. Father, thank you, and uh, we commit this journey. And so, Lord, thank you for this last year. Thank you that we're a year in and we feel healthy and we're just really grateful for all the things that have taken place. Continue to lead us. We acknowledge you are the head of the church and we give you all the honor and glory in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen.